Listen, Dad, are mobile suits more important to you than human beings? <sighs> it almost looks like this mobile suit is shaking in terror. It's a mobile suit! Amaro, is that you inside that mobile suit? Let's just see. Let's test the reaction time of your brand new mobile suit. You alone are responsible for the mobile suit now. Is that understood? These are the days when you wish your bed was already made. It's just another mobile suit. Monday. Wish it was Sunday. That's Matt. Tomorrow Ray. I don't have to run It's just another mobile suit. Monday. Amaro Ray Mobile suit In war, to keep the upper hand, you have to think two or three moves ahead of the enemy Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Fan Holes Mobile Suit Mondays Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and joining me tonight are two, count them, two of my fellow Gundam enthusiasts. Why don't you guys give a shout-out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike, and this is a matter of honor! Hey, this is Justin. All right, so we are here tonight to talk the original Mobile Suit Gundam, our continuing coverage of the original Mobile Suit Gundam series. Tonight we're going to be talking about the third episode, which is titled Vote to Attack. And just a really quick overview, the air dates for the original Japanese airing were April 21st, 1979. And of course, we did not see the ocean dub in English until July 25th, 2001. We open again with another repeat of the omniscient narrator, and he's setting up that status quo for 0079 again. And then we get our title card, or vote to attack and then we open on the exterior of Luna 2 which is basically described as an asteroid that's been brought into the lunar orbit and then that can provide building materials and everything for the space colonies and at this point Captain Cassius is still bedridden with all these injuries and everything and meanwhile we can see on the white base Frau Bo and the kids like Kika, Letts, and Katz they're all running around passing out food rations, they're handing out hot water or hot milk depending on which version of the dub you listen to and basically all those refugees that are being housed on white base at this time basically are getting all their you know food and water and milk and stuff like that. Bright and Sela are walking down that hall together and everything and there's a moment i don't know it felt kind of like a captain kirk moment where he basically like calls out to her and she's like yes sir and she you know is basically you know running onto the lift and everything it kind of reminded me a little bit of like kirk and savik in star trek 2 but sayla now is in a federation uniform and they have this conversation in the lift and at first she kind of I guess Bright's asking her, you know, hey, where, where were you before all this stuff went down on Side 7? And she doesn't really want to reveal where she came from prior to living on Side 7, which, if you know your Gundam history, is pretty understandable, and she kind of gives him a bunch of shit about it, and then eventually she kind of tells him that she 
originally came from Earth, which is kind of a half-truth. I mean, it's kind of true and kind of not. But it, it, the other thing about this scene that's interesting is, depending on what versions of it you watch, like, it's... It, it, her answers are are different, like, uh, most of the time, but it, it, I, I think the basic idea is she eventually tells him that she came from Earth, and, like, Bright at that point kind of says, hey, you know, this is my first time being in outer space, and, you know, in the ocean dub, Sayla kind of slips up, and she basically says, oh, so you're one of those Earthborn elite." And then Bright's like, what was that? And and in the ocean dub, she's kind of like, just kidding, just kidding. Can't you take a joke? You know, and, and then they kind of get off the lift. In the Los Angeles dub, it almost doesn't deal with that at all. Like, there's, there's this thing where she says something to the effect of, I think Bright asks, like, well, how, you know, where were you before this? And she says, Earth. And then, and then he says, well, you know, it'd be nice if we knew a little more about one another. And I think Sailor's response is, that's like a little too much close to fraternizing, isn't it? And, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then she gets off the lift. So it's like, I, I just thought that was kind of funny that I guess the different dubs, you know, played that scene almost completely differently and stuff like that. But what was your, what was your take on like Sela and Bright, you know, in the, in the lift and, and, you know, I guess maybe knowing what we know, you know, now, I guess, or, or, or having that foresight of, of knowing, you know, who, who she actually is and how she's trying to play it a little close to the vest. Like, did you have any takes on their first interaction there sort of as a superior officer to a subordinate or anything like that? It, it just felt like she didn't want to be bothered. She's basically like, you know, whatever, dude, I ain't telling you nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, like her her ocean like, group dub actress. Don't, don't yeah, just, just, me. <laughs> yeah, she's like, yeah, like, do I have to? Like, do I have to talk to you? Like, where were you before you relocated to side seven? Do I really have to answer that? Uh, no. On Earth. This is my first time. Huh? Uh, out here in space, I mean. A member of the Earthborn elite. Are you being sarcastic? Can't take a joke, Mr. Bright. Huh. Hmm. Where did you live before you moved out to Side 7? Do you have a reason for asking that? Just curious. Earth, sir. This is a first for me. Huh? My first time in space, I mean. This is coming very close to fraternizing. You mean we can't be friendly? Well, you haven't been all that friendly with any of the others. Hold, please. Thank you, sir. Lieutenant, are you wearing your hair differently? It's still regulation, Admiral. Mm -hmm. May I speak, sir? Self-expression doesn't seem to be one of your problems. So, you know, basically now they're on the bridge. Sela is relieving Mirai, who was sort of like, you know, basically at the helm of the ship and everything like that. And Mirai is also now in uniform. And Mirai is telling Bright she thinks it's only a matter of time before Char's next attack on White Base. 
And then we cut to Char's Musai cruiser, where he's arguing with Dozel Zabi over his resupply, and it turns out Zabi was only able to send over two of the three requested Zakus that Char wanted. And, I mean, he's not really too bothered by it, He, you know, but he, he did want the extra mobile suits, but basically Zabi at this point is like, get me the Federation secrets! You know, it's like, Dozo Zabi out, you know, and that's basically the end of it. He's kind of got to be like, yes, sir. And then we're also cutting back to White Base again, and we see that Frau Bo and Haro are visiting Amuro, who is basically busy tending to the Gundam. He's in the Gundam cockpit. She brings him food and clean clothes, and she's asking him to take a break from working on the Gundam. Depending on what version of the W watch, she either calls him a smelly-ass fucking guy, or, you know, like, and, and that he needs to stop and eat, or, you know, sometimes it's, it's a little more delicate, where she's like, you know, if you don't leave, you know, you may start to stink. And it, what's funny is, like, depending on what version of Amuro dub there is, like, he either seems like, thanks a lot, or he just is kind of, um, takes her for granted, I think, is the best way to put it. Yeah, she's, she's like, mindfully nagging him, like, Amuro, you need to eat, you need to sleep, and you stink! Amuro, Amuro, Amuro! I gotta say that Brad Swaley does make Amuro seem like a like ungrateful, pissy little brat. So yeah, <laughs> it's weird because because in the in the L.A. one there is there is one line of dialogue where he doesn't he 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 kind of seems like mean in certain line readings, but he he twists on a dime and is just like it's kind of like yeah whatever Frabo whatever oh and thanks a lot for that Frabo. And then it's like, why are you doing this? You're just doing this for yourself? And he's kind of like, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, it's like he kind of goes back and forth and everything like that. I knew it. You never stop working, Amaro. If you don't get something to eat, you could die of starvation. You've already gone deaf, it would seem. <laughs> I brought you a change of clothes, too. You don't want to start smelling funny. Hey, thanks a million, Frau. I thought you'd be furious at Noah Bright for making you do this dirty work. I'm not doing it because of him. I'm just doing it because I want to keep breathing. Really? Is that your reason? Yes. Amaro, <laughs> I brought you food and clean clothes and I think you should take a break. Your clothes are starting to smell a bit. And you're hardly eating. You've got to take time to eat. Look, I'm not hungry. <sighs> Don't let what Bright said bother you. That's got nothing to do with it. I'm only doing this to protect myself. Oh, that's the reason? Yeah. You know, meanwhile, we, we're, we're still dealing with the whole speculation on the bridge. You know, Bright and Mirai are trying to figure out, well, why, why don't they think Char has attacked yet? In certain interpretations, you know, like listening to the Japanese language, I felt like, Bright considered all aspects of their discussion and is just he he thinks it might be a trap like I don't know Bright seemed more confident and and competent in the Japanese version I think than in the dub whereas I think in in the dubs it, it's kind of like 
it's very straightforward. Like, Bright's basically saying, well, I think it's because Char isn't sure of the white base capabilities. And then Mirai's like, well, I think it's because they're running low on supplies. And Bright's like, I never thought of that before. You know, whereas I think in the Japanese language, I kind of thought of it as Bright is saying, I bet you Char isn't sure of the white base's capabilities. And Mirai says, it could also be that they're low on supplies. And Bright's like, yes, that too. You know, like, like, but they might want us to think that way, and they might be leading us into a trap. You know, like, so it's like, I, I, I don't know, that's kind of what my take on it was, but I'm not sure what you guys thought of Bright at this point in their speculations and interactions. Like, did you have any kind of take that was different from mine, or... I, I think like Dub Dub Bright like does a good job of yeah sound, trying to sound like he's in control, but like like covering it when he doesn't know what he's talking about. Basically, mm, yeah. like like he 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 still sounds like he's in control even when he's like asking for other people's opinions and stuff. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, because because they, they they do go on to where you've got the the communications guy Oscar, and he at that point is detecting another ship. And then, you know, Sailor's kind of like, well, this this might be the supply ship that you guys were talking about. And, you know, basically at that point, Mirai's like, well, you know, wh why don't we have Amuro go out and attack in the Gundam while they're resupplying? And Bright's kind of like, again, he's worried that that might be, you know, kind of like a trap and he doesn't want to rush into battle with an untrained crew. But he asks Hayato what he thinks. He's like, you, you, short guy. Like, what do you think? Like, <laughs> Well, I, I think he's asking him because Hayato's probably the, the character that knew the least when he set foot on board, but all of a sudden now knows the most of the untrained people, if that makes any sense. Like, I think Hayato's like a quick study, so he's probably turning to him kind of like going, well, what do you think about this? You're, you're, you know, you're, you're quick on your feet. Like you, you're a smart guy. Like you're picking up all these things that people are teaching you how to do, like fire the cannons and run the communications boards and all this other shit. So like, what, what what's your take on it? And like, it, but what's funny is like, like, there, there's this moment where, you know, Sailor's kind of like, well, why don't you just go talk to the captain? And he, Brad's like, I'm in command now. I don't need to talk to no captain. <laughs> he's like, he he picks up the phone or whatever, and he's like, Captain, like, what do you think? And you just hear, like, on the other line, <laughs> Well, the captain's leaving it up to me. Why don't you ask the captain? I don't like that tone. I'm the one in command now. Got it? You know, it's funny. I think in the other in the other dub, like when Sela mouths off to him, I think the it's either in the Japanese. I forget. They're they're basically in one of the other ones. He's basically like, I don't like that tone of voice. Like, so shut up. You know, like don't don't talk to me like that. Like, you know, because she's like, why don't you go ask the captain? And you know, Hayato's answer to Bright basically is he says, look, even a small guy can get a big guy, you know, pinned down in a fight when he's off balance. And he's like, I learned that from judo, you know, and, and he's all proud of himself and everything. And, you know, in this case, I guess, you know, the white base is the small guy. And, you know, if, if they catch the Musai cruiser off guard, it'd be like a big guy off balance in a fight. So Bright ends up calling all the personnel to the bridge and even all the kids and everybody else comes up to the bridge. They all think it's important. Amuro and everybody else is suiting up in, in Federation uniforms and stuff like that. And it's kind of interesting, like, I mean, for, for something that is, you know, essentially the Federation is a military 
force, you know? So you'd think there's just the chain of command and what the commander says goes, but I guess because there are refugees on board and because he's not, you know, he's only the acting captain and not the official captain, I don't know if he's a little unsure or doesn't want to make the decision all on his own, but he holds a vote. And it seems like he asks, you know, who, who wants to make a break for Luna 2? And, you know, there's a few of the refugees that are sheepishly like, we don't want to get into a fight, we want to get out of here, you know? And then, you know, he asks who wants to stay and fight. And, you know, most of the other members of the White Base crew, and, and even the, you know, the, the newly appointed members of the crew, and, and the kids, you know, Kika, Let's, and Cats, like, they're all like, yeah, we want to fight, and everything. And, you know, even Amuro eventually raises his hand in agreement. So it's decided, like, the majority vote wins, and Bright sends out Ryu and the core fighter, and Amuro and the Gundam. And I guess, you know, Sela's kind of like Uhura on communications and everything. And White Base is readying the cannons, which Hayato can operate. And, you know, Bright's reminding the crew, like, don't, don't shoot Amuro and, and, and Ryu. Like, make sure you don't shoot our own guys and everything. Yeah, I, I really like that, because, like, you know, it should be obvious, but they're also a bunch of, like, amateurs, so. Yeah, yeah, they're all, they're all fairly green, so it's like, remember, don't, don't get so you know, hopped up on, you know, shooting that you forget that, you know, you can hit hit your own your own guys and stuff like that. In the meantime, you've got Char who's hurriedly asking for the resupply. And then, you know, Amaro and Ryu are basically like sneaking up on the, the Musai cruiser and Ryu thinks that they should go head first, but Amaro's basically telling him, look, if we go around the other way, we'll be in front of the sun and the sun will blind the enemy and they'll have poor visibility you know if they if they do a frontal assault so they should go from behind and then Amaro and Ryu start to begin into the enemy territory and then Char and the resupply ship are noting like high levels of Manofsky particles and they're trying to figure out if they're about to be attacked and everything and at that point Amaro's firing off his little bazooka, and the Musai is impacted with a missile. The supply ship is trying to retreat, but Amaro continues to fire in the Gundam. Then Char ends up moving to dispatch an Izaku, and then we get to the eye catch. Show! Show! And then we come back from the eye catch. Show! And, and then, you know, Char sorties, and he's telling his, his right-hand guy, Dren, to cover the supply ship, which is called the Papua. And the core fighter begins <laughs> a fire run. The Papua, that's right, that's what it's called. The core fighter begins a firing run on the Musai cruiser, and meanwhile, like, Char and Amuro are, like, trading blows out in front of the sun. They kind of have, like, those whole, you know, speed lines and images in front of the, the bright sun and everything. It's pretty cool. And, you know, I, I'd say Amaro's getting a little too cocky, and because of that, Char lands this really awesome punch on the Gundam's cockpit. It's almost like he, he you know, if it was like a real person instead of uh, a mobile suit, it, it's almost like you could see the Gundam, like, coughing up blood or some shit, because he, he really nails him and everything. And Dren is radioing Char to report that 
now the white base is attacking the Musai cruiser, and Char's basically saying, look, Dren, you gotta hold it off until I can get back, and Amuro's like, I promise, Bright, I'm not gonna let that guy out of my sights, and he's, he's basically sticking with Char every step of the way, and at this point, because Kai and, and Hayato are shooting those cannons and everything, but Kai is basically saying, would you get that guy Ryu and the core fighter to stop getting in my way? Because I want to shoot these guys, but he keeps getting in my way, so I can't shoot because they ordered us not to shoot on our own guys. And, you know, it is kind of a haphazard operation because these guys are all amateurs and inexperienced. So Hayato is kind of looking up, well, wait, how do I radio the bridge and... You know how, how do I how do I tell Ryu this and everything in the middle of battle? So he's he's looking at this like training manual, trying to figure out how to call up to the bridge, and then eventually he does call up to the bridge, and Bright gets on his big phone and he's trying to talk to Ryu to tell him, hey, you know, don't don't get into the firing trajectory of our cannons, but he can't get through to him because Ryu's turned off his comm and he doesn't realize it. Back to Amuro and Char, like, now Amuro's all out of missiles and everything, so he throws his now empty bazooka at Char's Zaku, and Char basically swats it aside, and he's tackling the Gundam head-on, and then Amuro's kind of scared at that point and starts unloading his Vulcan cannons, but it's really for naught, and Char just basically zooms up and, like, kicks him away. And then Char tells Dren to at least get a hold of the replacement Zaku's even if he can't get any like the food supplies and everything else that they had had sent for I don't know do you, do you guys want to talk about the fight so far between Amuro and Char or what's going on on the white base like backing up to the beginning of the sequence when Amuro and Ryu were flying around to like into the sun like that whole beginning sequence it kind of reminds me of like a World War II movie, like where submarines are fighting or something like Run Silent, Run Deep, or The Enemy Below, or even like Star Trek II where, you know, where they know there's an enemy, but they're not sure if it's like, if it's a real blip or if it's like an echo or something like, it kind of has that like, you know, shady, like unsure and like, you know, kind of feel to it where, where they're not sure like, you know, is this, is this an echo? Like, is this really, you know, is this the bad guys? Like what's going on here? Like, I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, like I, I, th I thought that was like a, a nice one of the indicators that this is like the real robot genre and not like, you know, a super robot show where like stuff like that matters, where space where where space isn't just like one direction and it's easy to navigate and, you know, you don't have to think about tactics or whatever. Yeah, I, I kind of want Amro to be like, you know, char. I'm laughing at the superior intellect. <laughs> <laughs> well, then uh, it, it, that'd be like if Khan just came, like, flew out of nowhere and, like, kicked Kirk in his big gut or whatever. <laughs> hey, hey, his gut wasn't that big. Dude. <laughs> That's true. It's like, I need to resupply. 60 seconds for you and your Valent resupply. I feel like, I was going to say, like, it, it seems like that Char kick is, like, like super famous and stuff and like you see like any char clone in any gundam show like kind of pull it off at some point yeah like phil frontal or someone yeah yeah i i enjoy the fight and everything i mean i think i think it's a good fight between the two of them you know anytime they sort of meet up and and trade blows and stuff like that 
I, I, do, I do like how, like, yeah, like, Char Zaku can pretty much, like, manhandle the Gundam, but it's like, he's, he, he, Char's kind of like, man, it's taking so much punishment, like, man, like, I can't even, like, the only thing I can, my bullets don't work, and I can't beat it to death, so, like, what's going on here? Yeah, you get the idea, if it was anybody else, they would have been long destroyed by this point, but because it's, you know, made of the Gundanium alloy or whatever, that it's just not gonna, it's not gonna go down as easy as any of his other opponents. I have to admit, I've never seen a mobile suit before that can withstand the beating I'm giving it. So back to the battle in progress. Since Kai is actually licensed to operate heavy land vehicles, Hayato is running it past Bright, and they end up setting himself and Kai up with my favorite mobile suit ever, the RX-75-4 <laughs> gun tank. Woo! Yeah. I don't, I don't get the gun tank, but but they're set up in the gun tank. It takes two guys to operate it. Hayato, like I said, he's a quick study. He knows how to fire the cannons, so they, they put him on the firing duty of the cannons, and then Kai is actually doing the, the you know heavy machinery operation. He's actually driving it and everything. As, as, as you might be able to tell from, like, my avatar, like, I love Kai's, like, facial expressions in this, like, scene. It's just like, you can tell he's just thinking, like, why did I volunteer to do this? Like, this is <laughs> stupid. Like, oh, man, I'm gonna fucking die in this ridiculous, like, rolling thing. Yeah, but dying in the gun tank is no way to go out. I mean, that's, like, right, right, uh, a notch above getting killed in a ball, you know? Hayato, pass on this message. Stay out of my way. Right. Uh, how do I contact the bridge? Hurry! So the, the Musai is finally able to fire off its mega particle cannon, and this nearly hits the bridge of the white base. Sela is assisting with Kai's launch in the gun tank, and, you know, she's still doing that you know, Uhura, Starfleet communications officer stuff. There's some small talk between the two of them. And again, she's like, don't fraternize with me. I'm Sela. You know, <laughs> like, leave me alone. Everybody wants my jock, but you can't have it. And then Hayato and Kai are, I, I don't know. I kind of thought they're kind of like the odd couple or something, you know, like they're, they're, they're like arguing with each other, even though they have to sort of work together and everything. But... Ayato is the neat one, and, and Kai is the messy one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it, they end up finally getting their shit together, and they start firing on the enemy. The Papua captain, Gatum, who I, I kind of thought of as, like, he's like a proto-Rambaral, I guess, or something like that. But he's basically, he's like, he now considers getting Char his supplies, as, as Mike put it so well in the beginning. You know, this is a matter of honor! And he ends up dispatching in his MS-05B Zaku-1 before his ship goes down. And then Ryu is still fighting on in the core fighter, and he ends up getting chased off by Char. Gatum wants to go after the Gundam for revenge for having his ship shot down, and Char is basically telling him, look, man, you can't win against that suit, but Gatum really doesn't want to listen. He ends up headbutting Amuro, but not before the Gundam's beam saber slices his engine, and then his suit explodes with him inside, and that's the end of Captain Gatum. What would you guys think of Gatum? Like, since I brought up the, like, proto-Rombaral comparison, like, do you have any thoughts on that, on his mobile suit? Like, anything you want to talk about? That, that did occur to me, though, like, he's kind of Rombaral-esque, but, like, 
my question is, and I'm sure one of you guys would know, like what what kind of Zaku variant does he have? Because it can, it has a really odd look, or at least it looks to me kind of odd. I think that's like the first run of Zaku is like the prototype Zaku or whatever. Like because I I know. The Zaku you see most commonly in the series, like, you know, all the time, basically, is is technically its name is the Zaku 2. So, like, that, I think that's the Zaku 1 yeah, that he has, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna make sure that Char gets his Zaku's missiles, all of his supplies. This is a matter of honor! So, I guess at, at that point, once, once Gatum has met his ultimate demise, you know, Bright calls the Gundam, the core fighter in the gun tank, back to Whiteface. You know, Char basically at this point is convinced of the technological superiority, if not the skill. I mean, he kind of refers to them as a bunch of amateurs on the white base, but he, he fully admits, you know, these guys, their equipment is far superior than anything that they have. When they're back on the bridge, you know, Bright is basically telling Amuro he needs to work on his combat technique, you know, not rely on, you know, flanking the enemy so much, and, you know, of course, Amuro kind of acknowledges it, but he's kind of young, he's kind of a punk, he's not really listening to what Bright's telling him, and as Amuro and Ryu are, are leaving the bridge and, and walking away through the hallways, he tells Ryu that, you know, one of these days he's gonna deck Bright, and then we see Frau Bo, and she's bringing them, you know, space drinks, because they're all in straws, and they all look like Capri Sun and everything, so they don't conceivably, I don't know, float around because they're in space. And then Ryu's like, what the hell is this? And Amuro's like, this is Haro. I've made Haro. He's my robot. And the episode pretty much ends with Whiteface back on course to Luna 2. And of course, the next episode is going to be Escape from Luna 2. And it's all dun 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 Who will survive? But I, I guess just my, my final note on this episode is... I know I'd been watching the dub of the the movie and everything, the L.A. dub as I'm calling it, and to be perfectly honest, most of this episode is pretty much excised from the movie version. You know, because, like I said, you know, possibly because Gatem's kind of a, 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 a you know, a proto-Rambaral, like they don't need to retread that ground. You know, Char and Amuro have already had some skirmishes, so they don't need yet another one. I was going to say, this is this largely seemed like sort of a filler episode, which is odd since it's like the third episode. But, it, you know, it, they don't reach their destination. They're still on the journey, and there's like a one like almost meaningless battle. I, I thought, to me, the most pertinent, important thing is that you start seeing all these characters in, in military uniforms now. I yeah. mean, that's, that seemed to be the most... It's like a know, transitioning episode. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not all wearing civilian clothes. And, and you know, it, yes, they're still amateurs, but they're, they're starting to shed some of that amateurishness. You know, like, like it's, it's, it's the first step in, in a series of many steps up a stairwell, you know? Justin, you have any, any final thoughts or, or any additional thoughts on episode three? I, I didn't really feel like it was a filler episode. Like, that always... I don't know, like, whenever someone is on the internet is like, oh, oh this was a filler episode, or like, or, you know, they're like, give me a list of, like, the non-filler episodes. I'm like, you know, it, it just because nothing seemingly happens doesn't mean it's not important. Like, I thought some rather interesting and important things happened. Just, like, some of my own, like, odd things that occurred to me when I was watching this episode is right before they vote, you know, Hayato mentions his judo master, 
And like as soon as he said that, I had flashbacks to playing Dynasty Warriors Gundam Three because anytime Hayato is on the field, like he he's talking about his judo master. Like that's one of his <laughs> that's one of his default <laughs> clips. So I'm like, shut up about your judo master. <laughs> and the other thing, you know, I I mentioned this like whenever Amuro is speaking, like I I don't hear Amuro, I hear Katra because. Like that, to, it, to <laughs> right, like, right, right, like right well. yeah. So like, whenever Kai is on the screen and has a lot of dialogue, I'm like, "Why are you being so wimpy, Inuyasha?" Because, <laughs> because you know, the, the voice actor is Richard Ian Cox, and he's the voice actor for for Inuyasha, who is very uh, violent and aggressive. So it's it's weird to me to like see, you know, see actors be in a role that's completely opposite, where like Kai is so wimpy and Inuyasha is so aggressive. Way to go, Hayato! You're on a roll. Yeah, no, they, they they do have some cool voice actors. I mean, I, I like all those guys, but yeah, I I can understand how you get used to, you know, seeing or hearing a certain voice actor as a certain character, and then seeing them in, in uh, you know, basically the character is a role that's completely divergent from the the character you're most familiar with hearing them voice and everything like that. That makes total sense. Hey, Michael. Yeah? We need to do a new promo. A new one? A new one. Why? Because we've moved. Moved? Moved. We've moved to a new place. We still read comics. We do. We still talk about comics. Because you can't do a comic book podcast unless you read and talk about comics, because that's kind of stupid. But now, we have a new episode still available every Thursday, but at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Hey, kids, comics! So remember, Hey, kids, comics has moved to twotruefreaks.libson.com. Still... Every Thursday. That'll do, won't it? All right. Well, I guess if that is it, then this will conclude our coverage of the third episode of Mobile Suit Gundam, Vote to Attack. Obviously, they voted affirmative, and they attacked, and it was fun, and and I had a good time watching this episode with you guys. Again, you know, the Blu-ray transfers are really cool, the the audio is good, and the the video is really nice and everything like that, so check those out from Right Stuff if you want to, you know, get the Blu-ray versions of what we're talking about, and... If you have any comments, questions, concerns, you can reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are, of course, on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We appreciate all the likes and feedback and everything that we receive on all sorts of various social medias. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Stitcher. You can stream us there on Stitcher. We appreciate all iTunes reviews. Those will be awesome if you should choose to leave a review on iTunes. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, who will survive, signing off. Hey, it's Mike, and I think I survived. Hey, this is Justin, and my judo master definitely told me I will survive. おぼえているかい少年の日のことを
see him do some judo with the gun tank. <laughs> He's like, okay, we just, Kai, we just have to maneuver this thing like into a position where someone throws a punch at it. And then, like, yeah. What, 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 what kind of judo is that? Daryl judo? <laughs> too soon, too soon. Too soon. A useless gun tank. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, it's kind of like I almost feel like it's like you know when the Simpsons are watching like Night Boat and it's like like we'll never catch him now and it's like look incorrect it's a it's a canal like there's always there's a like, canal there's always a canal or a fjord or an inlet <laughs> and it's like whenever the gun tank comes out it's like you know well we can't go over there no incorrect there's a moon over there like oh okay. There's some land we can drive on. Like, there's an asteroid. <laughs> and, it, like, if they were in the dead of space, you'd think they would just, like, launch the gun tank out and it would just, like, float around, like, aimlessly, like, spinning around. Like, there's, like, just fire. Maybe we'll hit something. 